podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms, and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. And welcome to another episode of Media Matters for Anfield Index. Everything feels massive at the moment, doesn't it? There's massive results, there's massive games, there's massive finals, maybe 15 or 16 cup finals if you see it that way. And there's massive injury news we are all waiting for. So here to, to join me as normal to walk through Brentford, injuries, comments, everything on and off the pitch Liverpool related. It's the renowned and respected David Lynch. So it's been a week or so since I've said this, but David, how are we? Yeah, good. Glad, glad to get the dream team back together. No, no offense to Eddie, but it's uh, you know the, the the partnership's back now, isn't it? Yeah, indeed. Is <laughs> it a good a good standing? But you want your main people in positions which Liverpool <laughs> might not have come the end of the season. And yeah, shout out to Eddie because he did a fantastic job covering for me. So, I mean, this is is weird. I'm going to ask you almost a. a probably a different question because I know we'll, I want to go into the Brentford shortly but have you got the feeling like me being honest David that we should be like excited as in 4-1 we've beaten Brentford a tough away we've got Luton which on paper looks a, a great game we've got a cup final so it should all be joy 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 but there's that vibe with injuries there's just a bit of a downer almost to me at the moment I can't quite shake it is is that a fair assessment for you as well? Yeah, I, th- I think it was kind of quite difficult to really feel the positives of the Brentford result. And I, I got a little bit stick of this, for this actually on social media in terms of people saying, you know, oh, can't we have five minutes focusing on the positives? But I think, you know, yeah. it is important at times, and particularly if you're a journalist who covers the club, to, to look at the big picture and, you know, three points is three points. Even if it was an impressive performance at a place where Liverpool have struggled in the past, it only brings three points. And the idea is that we want Liverpool to do more than that and to keep getting three points and to, to win the title. And if you're losing three players to, to you know, for unspecified amounts of time, we don't we don't know at the moment, um, then that's going to be a real blow. You know, it, it almost offsets the, the the big victory and the, the nature of it. It's if you if you're going to lose these players for any any length of time, you know, particularly that that Jota one in particular is a, is a big worry for me because it you know the type of injury a knee injury can all, it, you wouldn't be shocked if if Jurgen said his season was over you know later this week would you or, or tomorrow when his press conferences and if that's the case you know one of Liverpool's biggest selling points this season one of the best things about the team has been the the five options the ability to start three. And, and have to come off the bench and I'm, I'm not saying by the way that Jones wouldn't be a miss but I, but I, I just think you know that goal scoring can get you through rough patches goal scoring is, is everything in football you can play poorly and win and Liverpool have done that a few times because they've got goal threat so 
you know, it, it, that's what I'm saying. It, it just sort of gives you this sort of sick feeling in your stomach that, you know, yes, it's a win, but, you know, is it going to be a Pyrrhic victory? And and and, and ultimately, the, the cost of it is going to be too much for Liverpool. We don't know at the moment. We hope not. But I, but I think it's I think it's fair to point those out. I don't think it's dwelling on the negatives. It's um, because, you know, yes, there are loads of positives, but it's a bit of a nervous wait at the moment for, for, for injury news. Yeah, that that's the right word. The cost we'd have, we'd have taken a, a stuffy one nil with no injuries at all. We'd have traded that all day long. But like you said, we should we should talk about the the positive because there were so many. I mean, when you look at the overall ninety minutes, aside from the injury element, what were your honest thoughts on the performance? Yeah, I thought fantastic. I thought um, I, I thought a little bit of a slow start. Um, Brentford came firing out the blocks, but I thought after the sort of first 20, 25 minutes, thought Liverpool really settled down and first goal was massive. You know, if you give Brentford the first goal in this game, they would have had something to hang on to and, and made it really, really difficult for Liverpool and they wouldn't have taken any risks or, you know, they would have just shut down and, and sort of made, it, made the game really sticky for Liverpool. But to get the first goal was huge. Um, and then from that point, Liverpool just utterly dominant, and 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 that is really impressive. I know Brentford's form this season hasn't been fantastic, but yeah. Liverpool, you know, no matter where Brentford have finished in the league, Liverpool have found it difficult to go there. They found Thomas Frank has always managed to come up with a plan that that disrupts Liverpool. So to to go there and be so dominant and and really sort of earn the right to play physically, really enjoyed that element of the performance. I thought it was yeah, really really impressive and 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 quite a few. Impressive performances across the park, um, and 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 the, and the way the manager imp- approached it as well was was perfect. So, yeah, really, really good performance. And 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 you know, if you take out those negatives, you'd be coming into this one thinking, "Wow, you know, brilliant Liverpool, yeah. like title winners here." Yeah, that and that that's right. It's it's that feeling. There were so many good things, and I mean, there were so many good individual performances. It does feel like this this could be hard to to split for me in a way. Who did you give man of the match to? Uh, so man of the match, who did I who did I give it to? Uh, I'm not sure. I I I, I kind of I, I I'm not sure I actually picked someone out. I, I think someone I, someone I, I highlighted for, for praise. I, th- I think what I would say is that there were a load of good performances yeah. across the pitch. So kind of hard to say. I, I like what the centre halves did in terms of they aerial duels. I think they both won every one or very close to, uh, which is a massive thing to do at Brentford because of the way they play football. Um, I, I really like their performances, but there, there were there were a lot really. One one I kind of highlighted was was Gravenberg. Really, really like what he did coming into the game because you, you sometimes never know what you're going to get from him because he's a young player yeah. still adapting. Um, and it was a tough moment to go into the game, you know, losing Jones and uh, and Liverpool were looking to to keep the momentum going, and it could have really disrupted them. I thought Gravenberg was was fantastic, so I think on the basis that sometimes he's you know he's a little bit up and down, he's still learning. I think that was the one that most stood out to me because he just he kept the ball, uh, he, he won his duels, won his challenges. His numbers in those were really good. Basically sort of did what Curtis Jones does in midfield. And every time Gravenberg does that, I think it's worth highlighting because that's exactly what the coaches and the manager trying to get into him is to is to play in that way, to be safe in possession, to, you know, show you, you your own quality, your individualism in terms of that, that ability to dribble, which he did a bit of that as well. But win your challenges and keep the ball in it. And he did that really, really well. So I, 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 I really, really enjoyed his performance. Yeah, the praise has got to be as loud as the criticism. And he had a real big hand in that second goal, didn't he? He was yeah. the one that, that gave it over to, to Salah for McAllister finishers. So, yeah, you've got to call it out. And it's been a week, so we've got to talk 
refs. We've got to talk penalty decisions. It's got to come back on the agenda. I mean, nothing given at all uh, in this game. Probably two, one for each side that you've probably seen on social media people were calling out, and understandably for me as well. So we'll look at both of them. The Brentford shout, first of all, the one where Robbo sort of does look like he does sort of get Tony to the ground, let's put it that way. Honest thoughts on that one? Yeah, I think it's just a little bit of a coming together, really. And I'm kind of glad the ref doesn't give it on the basis that I don't I don't think it's a nailed on pen. I think it's one of those that if he gives it on the field, they won't overturn it. There's enough there. There is a clash. You, you, you can't deny that. But I think it is a bit of a just an accidental coming together. There's no trip or anything like that. And and I think Tony sells it a little bit as well. So for me, I, I'm quite comfortable with the ref not giving that on the pitch and, and VAR at that point saying, well, the ref's decision is, you know, it's got to be a high bar to overturn that and therefore just leave it as it is. He, he saw what happened and, and that was his judgment. I'm, I'm kind of happy with that one. Fair enough. And the... Uh... The Jota tackle of a different type to the ground in the penalty box, that one. Again, I mean, the, the shout was, wasn't it, that VAR had a look and, and figured it was mutual. Mutual holding was the phrase that was used. And again, I, I'm very comfortable with that. You know, the, there is a, an element of six or one, half a dozen of the other in it. They are grabbing at each other a little bit. Um, I, I, you know, it, there's a question mark over, does Jota definitely get near the ball if he's not? So... I, again, one of those where I'm happy that if the ref's seen it and he thinks he's got a good view of it, then I, you know he, he, he's made his decision, and it's one you can quite easily suck up for, for VAR not to get involved in because it's not an absolute sort of catastrophe, is it? So, so again, one one where I'm kind of happy with that. One thing I would actually mention on the the the, the refereeing in that one is that I think the fouls uh, number was was heavily. Um, yeah. tilted in, in Brentford's favour in terms of a lot of fouls given against Liverpool despite the fact they utterly dominated possession and, and Brentford won, won an awful lot of fouls and I thought I thought that was something where maybe the ref got it wrong a little bit. I thought Brentford would buy in a lot of easy fouls and then you know, on the other side of the ball then is that when Brentford were being physical with Liverpool, Liverpool weren't quite finding it as easy to, to win the fouls and, and so mm. that led to a bit of uneven referee and I think if the if I had criticised for anything across the game, it was maybe that. But again, you know, it wasn't decisive. It wasn't anything huge. And 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 even if you give fouls away a little bit easy throughout a game, I don't think you can come away and say that the ref was, a, you know, it's a huge impact on the game. That sometimes is going to happen. Uh, you know, it's all about from that point, can you defend the set piece? And, and that's the question there. You can't be complaining too much about how it was won. So I thought Liverpool did that. So they basically took the referee completely out of the game and, and that factor. And that that's what you want, really. That's what you want from your performance. You've got to be so good that sometimes someone even refereeing or a bit of luck with refereeing because that's something yeah. we can't take out of the game. Sometimes you've got to be better than that. And, and Liverpool definitely were. So it, was, it just wasn't really a, a, an issue in the end. Yeah, it does feel like, especially when... Endo got his yellow. Brentford maybe with theatrical. That's my word as well. I'll put it that way. Maybe to to push something. But like you said, I think they were the team was quite clever. Van Dijk quite agricultural at times with his clearances, but probably looked at the opposition and thought, let's just get it away, play up the pitch and nullify that threat. So it did work well. And I mean, we talked about big players. It was the return of the king, wasn't it, on Saturday? I mean, probably didn't expect himself to come on that early, and in a way, we didn't want him to to come on that early, but as the replacement for Jota, a goal and assist. I mean, I know we're talking about the Brentford game, but it feels like it's so important. The season is now almost linked to Mo Salah, isn't it, with the injuries and the way everything sits at the moment? 
Well, yeah, particularly if Jota's, you know, well, we don't know. It could, could be season over, could be hopefully less. I mean, there's reports in Portugal, weren't there? So uh, suggesting maybe less. So that would be great. But um, we'll, we'll see. But 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 to get Mo Salah back at any time, whether whether Jota was going out or not, is is phenomenal. I mean, he is for me the the, the best player in the Premier League. I mean, the, the fact is he, he lost a little bit of ground, didn't he, in terms of goals and assists while he's been injured and immediately starts to make that up by getting one of each and just it's just a class player isn't he like he's so so good when he came on again thrown in sort of unexpectedly you know in a game where you probably thought I'm going to get 20 minutes at the end here uh, the, the, the pass for Alexis McAllister is outrageous it, it's yeah. so good the information he puts on the pass it makes the goal it's he it, it makes it easy for McAllister almost I know I know the touch inside is great but Salah sells it to him. He tells him exactly what to do with the where where he puts the ball and the pace he puts on it. He makes it so easy to just chop back and, and poke it home. So uh, just, yeah, class. And then he's finished. I think they mentioned on Match of the Day was that Shea Given had said that, um, you know, Salah for someone who's so small, his strength is ridiculous. And it is, you know, he's, he's going shoulder to shoulder with a massive centre-half there and shrugs yeah. him off and, and, and finishes with just the, you know, the level of clash you expect from him. He's he's phenomenal. As I say, best player in the Premier League and, and any team is going to be better to have him back. So massive, massive boost. Let's hope he can he can stay fit between now and the end of the season and he'll have a big impact. And I, I actually think there's kind of, it's worth mentioning that, you know, last time he, he went to AFCON and he came back and you remember Egypt got to the final. You know, the, the disappointment of losing that and also the, the the amount of games he played at the intensity he played, I think had a really big impact on his second half of the season. He didn't score very often, actually. Mane actually went the other way. He took the boost of helping Senegal win it and, and had a phenomenal finish to the season, but Salah really didn't. So I'm hoping this the fact he's had an injury and a little bit of a, an enforced layoff might actually do him a little bit of a favour physically and that the end towards the end of the season we'll see a real sort of a real strong running from him and which, which would be you know fantastic so if, if there's any small element of luck maybe to that injury it's that we could maybe see a, a better version of Mo Salah off the back of it which which would be fantastic because so many big games coming up and there was that Opta tweet that stat this morning incredible Mo Salah's got 30 goal uh, games where he's had a goal and assist so he's I mean if you look at who he's competing with at the top there's Rooney, Shearer and Omri. And he's one beh- one game like that behind Shearer who's had about 300, as it says, more games in the Premier League. So it's just frightening, the, the stats. So, yeah, we're, if, if it's going to be successful, we need Mo Salah fit, simple as that. And I asked you a question a, a few weeks ago about Conor Bradley, should we get excited? And you told me, yeah, get excited. And now, to be honest, after Saturday's performance... I'm wondering, is he an outside contender now for the Ballon d'Or this year already? <laughs> is it in that category? Because I mean, he played the, he came into that Trent role, didn't he? When he played the sort of the the hybrid, he was brilliant again, wasn't he, on Saturday? Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff; we've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable 
there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. I just absolutely love everything about him. I think he's he's just an unbelievable footballer, isn't he? Um, you know, I I, I I I thought he was good when he was in the academy. He looked really bright. He sort of looked like a a good player, and he did really well at Bolton. And again, like the look of him there. But I, I wasn't sure, you know, I wasn't sure at all that he was this good. Um, he, he just com- completely sort of. Uh, confounds my expectations really and again another phenomenal performance I think what I liked about this as well is I thought coming into this game and I think when we were selecting the team for this I selected one with Eddie I, I suggested that you know maybe this would be a game for Joe Gomez at right back or or, or maybe even left back um, on the basis of his, 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 his size obviously his physicality Brentford's threat from set pieces uh, so I actually didn't expect Conor Bradley to start this one, but I, I thought that was a, a, a tactically a genius move from Klopp actually to go with, to not go with Joe Gomez on either side and have Robertson and Bradley because what happened was instead of sort of accounting for Brentford's threat, set piece threat and their ability to get crosses into the box, what you had with Robertson and Bradley and the way they played the game is that you just completely cut all crosses out. They stopped it at source because those two are yeah. so good at getting out there. They're so sharp, so quick. It was straight out, straight in the um, in the attackers' faces, stopping any balls coming into the box. And um, which you know, Gomez doesn't play the game in that way. He would be waiting for the cross at the back stick, and and to have those two who were like you know these little dynamos at fullback. Just I thought just completely neutered Brentford's ability to get balls into the box. I thought an amazing selection by Klopp and a really good tactical idea in terms of imposing your game on them rather than coming up with a, a okay, can we just get our tallest back four in and try and defend the set pieces? Uh, so I thought it was a really good selection. And then Bradley's performance overall was just phenomenal. Just it, it, it's kind of it, like I say, great at getting out there, wins his duels. He, he's, he's so good in the tackle. But it's just other elements about him that I, I love. It, it, physically, his profile is fantastic. He just is built like a footballer. He's kind of like, I know he's still got that little bit of skinniness to him, but he's got a good height to him. He's got long legs for poking the ball away. Um, you know, he's got that, he's still already got that little bit of strength, even though he's he's a little bit skinny. And he, he's just, a, he's just a great build for a footballer. Like, I can't say it better than that. And people have sort of compared him in terms of a young Steven Gerrard, in terms of the way he moves and he, he, yeah. you know, the way presses the ball and I, I do see that physical similarity between them and I, I really like that comparison. I think what sums up how good he is in terms of, yeah, we know how good he was defensively, he was brilliant in that aspect of the game, but he also has two shots and, and both, that you know, one flies just over the bar, the one where he pokes it is a great yeah. effort, striker's attempt really. Um, just a, yeah, he's a phenomenal footballer and I think it's a real blow that Trent Alexander-Arnold's out at the moment, but I think he'd be hard pushed to get Conor Bradley out of the team at the moment. He's playing that well. So, yeah, just absolutely love him. So glad to have him back and, and, and really, really enjoyed his performance on Saturday. Yeah, it's just a bit different from what I've seen from him before because, he, I mean, he's got a sis and, you know, going down the right, making things happen. But sometimes he just came into that middle, put his foot on the ball and controlled it. I'd, I'd probably done a bit of a disservice. I thought he was good, but he's he's an intelligent footballer. You can see that as well. That the this kid looks pretty special, no two ways about it. And I know another player who you've been quite keen to sort of champion a bit, because he doesn't always get much love, Cody Gapo, does it? Sort of the the Swiss army knife in the midfield and the forwards, sort of, you know, move from from pillar to post. But came on, goal and assist, and, and he had a real impact, didn't he, on Saturday? 
that's it. You know, Jürgen didn't hesitate, did he, to, to throw him in when he thought there was even a slight question over Nunes. And I thought, you know, you, you can't ask for more than a, a goal and assists. And I just think he's so, so useful. And as you say, doesn't really get the praise he deserves. I know he's had some games where he's been a bit quiet and not really got involved. But I, thought, I think most of the time he plays, he seems to be involved in goals and he's, he's scoring yeah. at a decent level. He's assisting. He's really, really intelligent, works his socks off, really good in the press as well. So, um, I, I, you know, I really like him. I think that is his best role through the middle and where he tends to play his best football. And his problem is that you've got Darwin Nunes at the minute who's, who's playing really, really well and, and scoring goals. So that that is a bit of an issue for Gakpo. But he but he comes in, he can do a job anywhere and he, and he will do and he doesn't complain. Great character to have around the place. And there's that sort of, you know, maybe he is fifth choice at the moment out of those five, but, you know, you get injuries you know, we got maybe Jota out for a while. Nunez, question mark for, for this week at least. So to have someone of the quality and, and, and character of Gakpo in your squad is is massive. And he and he proves that again on Saturday. And I, yeah, I've got so much time for him as a as a player and a person. I think he's he's a really, really big part of this Liverpool squad. Yeah, 10 goals and five assists as well this season, which if you if you class him as a fourth choice, fifth choice, whatever it may be. That's an impressive return based on the minutes at the same time as well. No two ways about it. And I mean, we're talking of all the positives. We have got straight into the negative area and the injuries. I mean, you, you look at them now, David, like literally seven potential first teamers. I mean, like Alisson, Jota, Thiago, Trent, Boslai, Jones, Nunes. I mean, we've not even talked about bad sets in recent times as well. Is it still when you look at it, and, and again, it'll depend on who we can get back and we're all praying for good news. Is it still when you look at it, Jota's the biggest miss out of all of those that you put down? Yeah, I, I do. I just think it's that ability to break games off the bench or, or whether he starts games, he makes Liverpool so much more threatening or, or having Jota around means that you've got Gakpo on the bench and maybe Diaz or you've got, you know, you've got Nunes on the bench or, you know, they probably, probably wouldn't bench Salah, but I just think it makes the whole selection stronger. And and he is, you know, I've said it so many times on this podcast, the, the second biggest goal threat out of anyone, but, you know, behind Mo Salah that, that Liverpool have got. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a real miss that one. And, and, you know, in terms of the, the, the amount of absentees as well, I, I sort of saw Sky put a graphic up over the weekend saying, you know, this is Liverpool's absentees. And, and I don't think they even put Thiago, Bajcetic yeah. and, uh, and Matip on there. They, they weren't even on the list. And you're like, well, goodness me, that, that says a lot that Liverpool are dealing with that. Th- those three real long-term ones, people who haven't basically haven't played a minute for, for so much of this season. And uh, and then they've got these other injuries on top of it. And no one even no one even mentions Matip now because Quantz has been so good. Or they don't mention Thiago because, oh, well, so what? And Bajcetic, who, again, would have picked up a lot of minutes this season. So, you know, they're in a really sticky situation injury-wise. And you just hope it starts to clear soon. It could really do with getting some players back soon or some um, some good news on the injury front and, and and if you could just muddle through this period and start getting back them back without getting up more injuries coming in uh, you know they'd be in a really good position but it's just a, it's a pain in the backside basically isn't it and a real a real problem for the managers to deal with yeah it just feels like it's such a week if you can just almost hold on with no more because as he alluded to Jurgen Klopp so Bosley is a maybe for the Carabao final, you probably expect to know, but maybe Trent quite close afterwards. So even if you just get those two back on the squad list in a week and you can just hold on, as it were, it makes a massive difference. So, yeah, we are all waiting for for good news on that front. And a bit off the field this time, we don't normally have sort of 
Friday half ten big news things don't come up like they used to, but Jurgen Klopp's quotes, I know you've seen these and you've given your thoughts on them and various guises on Jurgen Klopp and his Xavi Alonso comments, wasn't it, that, that came out in the Nationals. I mean, they were quite distinct. There's no two ways about it. The way he talked around my generation, as in Pep, Ancelotti, him, and almost, you know, anointed Javi the standout of the next generation. When you read that, and I, I know you've said that you felt Alonso was the one you want, you know, the one to go and get, and I, I understand that. Was there any element of you that was surprised by Jurgen Klopp saying that so publicly and the pressure that now puts onto the position? Did it surprise you or did you think, no, I get it, we've got to go and get him? I mean, the thing is, he's not saying that out of the blue, is he? He's not just saying it because, oh, I want to talk about Xabi Alonso. At the end of the day, he gets into a room with the the the, the Nationals there, so they, they go off for the embargo section and, you know, he likes Paul Joyce, Chris Bascom, Andy Hunter in there talking to him. And if someone puts the question to him about how well Xabi Alonso's doing, he's not going to turn that down. You know, why would he? He's no reason to do that. So... He just gave a very honest answer about, you know, looks like th- th- this guy's the standout of the new generation that's coming. He didn't, you know, didn't sort of throw it back to Liverpool or anything like that. He just gave his honest view as a manager, a well-respected manager, about the job another young coach is doing and, 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 and really lavished him with praise. And I don't, I don't think it adds any pressure. I just think, you know, I think everybody knows that he's the one that Liverpool are probably likeliest to chase because... You know his record's ridiculous. He's uh, and obviously the the connection he's got with the club and he just ticks so many boxes. It'd be crazy if they didn't go for him. But I don't think he adds any pressure. I just think it was an honest answer to a to a to a good question that was put to him or a, a series of questions about Xabi Alonso and how he's doing and, and and he's entitled to to say that. I did see some sort of comments on social media in terms of oh Jurgen knows something absolutely not he, he won't be involved in this situation in terms of recruiting a new manager or and I can tell you now I absolutely guarantee that this isn't a done deal or anything like that you know there's no way Liverpool would approach Bayer Leverkusen at the moment it wouldn't be fair to Xabi Alonso to do that or even to approach his agent at the moment he's trying to focus on winning the Bundesliga you know in this situation you've got to show respect and stand back and let that happen and also, you know, the Sportnet director is going to be appointed first anyway. So there's no, there's no done deal. No, you know, I'm sure Liverpool will approach Xabi Alonso at some point, but it, it hasn't happened yet. Uh, that that will happen at the end of the season if it, if it, if if he's going to be the one that they go for. So there's no, I know, I know people like to think that these things are locked up behind the scenes, and he's already agreed it, but but absolutely no chance to be honest. And uh, yeah, we're gonna have to wait a little bit, a, a while for for sort of developments on that. And I wouldn't read too much into to what Klopp's saying because he won't be the one who's who's making the appointments. It's easy hype as well, isn't it? Because they're eight points clear now, as Bayern Munich seem to be imploding, and yeah, various things. We are just going to have to wait, and we want it both ways because we want a manager appointed, but we want no talk about our manager leaving and just focus on yeah. So it works both ways in that regard. And this is—I uh, say this to you about one every two pods, but this does feel, and maybe I'm just exaggerating, like every time. A massive week because of where we are, what happened with City, the Luton game and the cup final. So I'm going to say it for about the 76th time, but it does feel huge. That a pivotal week maybe is the right thing to say. Normally, I would ask if we had a full full complement of players, what tweaks might you think? Maybe I'm asking you, who do you think we can trot out on Wednesday <laughs> night at this rate? 
Yeah, I'm hoping I'm going to get a game. If uh, you know, if they're a little bit short, they can register me if they want. I'll have a go. Um, yeah, they're struggling. I mean, it's that's it. I think rotational options. That's that's one of the biggest killers of all these injuries is the fact that you know Wednesday to Saturday here that they or Wednesday to Sunday for the, the cup final they would go. You know, they would make a few changes to be able to mix things up a little bit, but that ability to do that is is not really going to be there. And I think he's going to have to ask a similar-ish team to to go twice at this. And, you know, maybe you see a little bit more of, you know, maybe Gakpo comes in to, to start this one. That is one option that's there because I probably expect he's not going to start the cup final. But, you know, options other where, you know, other areas of the pitch are a little bit thin on the ground, aren't they? The, the hope will be that I know Luton are doing really well and I, I won't underestimate them at all because, I, you know, they were very, very good against Liverpool at, at their place earlier this season and, and ran Manchester United very close yesterday. Absolutely tore them apart at times. Uh, but I do think, you know, the Anfield factor is helpful. Uh, Liverpool being at home, that makes things easier. Always play better there, don't they? So, you know, if they can be a little bit dominant and try and get some some goals over the line early and, and, and try and get a little bit of a lead, that makes the job easier in terms of swapping some players out and and sort of resting on the ball late in the game. So that will be the apps. You know, the manager will be desperate for a really sharp start, get that one as soon as possible mm-hmm. and then get some players off and, and try and get some rest in the legs before the before Sunday but it's you know it's the, the old cliche isn't it it almost feels like two cup finals you, you, you'd feel really down if they only won one of these and, and so you know really hope they can get two wins this week it's a, it's a massive week as they all probably are going to be between now and the end of the season yeah no doubt so, and maybe like go as you said Gapo comes in Gravenberg came you wouldn't be surprised if he start at the same time Elliot the, there's Gomez one player I did want to ask you about, because, I mean, it, another youngster in that, listen, the youngsters that have come in have done sensation. We look at Kwanzaa, Bradley. Do you think there's a possibility, um, unlikely for the cup final, I understand, but in this small period, if the injuries are as bad as we think, do you think Bobby Clark might even get a shot at some point on Wednesday night or in a few games going forward? Yeah, I, th- I think stuff like this is is the reason why he was kept around. Even it, even if it's the final twenty five minutes of a game to to give someone a rest, you know, Liverpool have got so many injuries in midfield. Their options are thin there that you need someone like Bobby Clark to to yeah to maybe give Alexis McAllister the the, the final twenty five yeah. minutes of that game off if Liverpool are in a decent position. Uh, you know, Jurgen's shown faith in 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 him in the past, hasn't he? In in big games and brought him on against Arsenal when in the FA Cup when you know the game was still in the balance. So. I absolutely think there's there's an opportunity for him here and that will will kind of justify the decision to keep him back from going on loan because you know if he gets these opportunities it's a, it's another sort of uh, string to his bow and, and 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 helpful in terms of his development. I think one selection actually I really wouldn't be surprised by on Wednesday in terms of we're talking about the changes is to maybe see Jarrell Quanta come in to start and yeah. to defense because I think Canate you so got to be so careful with him. Um, you know he does get muscle injuries, doesn't he? And I think he's he's he has to start the cup final, which by the way could go to extra time. Could you know you got to factor right. that in? So um, you know certainly seen that before against Chelsea. So I, I think maybe this is a game where Quanta gets to start. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. 
you can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Yeah, that it's weird considering it's the area we talked about at the start of the season with why haven't we bought more? Who's it going to be? Defence is actually the one position that we've actually got multiple options now. I mean, we didn't Dave, even talk about... Dave, why have that. you said that? Why have you yeah, said that? I just realised <laughs> that. But yeah, is it, is it? yeah, so everyone can blame me if this does go as it could well go now. But yeah, let, let's see. Variation or who we can trot out on Wednesday will be interesting. And as normal, we go to the, the questions from the viewers, which just for the record, for anyone saying, why am I asking this? As David's confirmed, we don't have the injury insight as about 8 million of them were like, what's the latest? We haven't got the scan results. We were not at the spire. So you can delete anything around that straight away if you're thinking, why isn't this being asked? But a couple of interesting ones that, that I've pulled this week. The first one, and I, I kind of like the way this was phrased in a blunt manner, is it almost better to just assume we won't see Stefan Badgesetic this season? Yeah, I mean, Jurgen did say, didn't he, a while ago that February return was a, was a possibility, but yeah. I, I think it's just one of those injuries where it's not an injury, really. It's a, sort of, it's because he's grown about a foot and a half in the last yeah. sort of few months. Uh, you'll have all seen pictures of him that, that basically that is making, it's causing discomfort in his body. It's making it hard if he gets on a run of training, it, it, it flares up again and, 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 and you know, it doesn't, the players doesn't feel great. So they've just got to be really careful and manage that. We've seen this with other young players. It's, it, there's not really a sort of date or of return you can put on it. It's very much wait and see. And when it settles down, it, you know, then he can come back. But, you know, he's doing all the work behind the scenes in the gym and, 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 and running and staying fit. So, you know, the moment that that gets better, he'll, he'll be back in the squad. We just don't know when that is and it's hard to predict um, you know it, it's just it's difficult to imagine him getting loads of minutes between now and the end of the season but I, I wouldn't completely rule him out because you know it could very settle that so, sorry settle down very suddenly um, and then we we see him in and around squads getting a few minutes and and things like that and you know it's probably difficult to see him getting a lot of starts because it's going to be crucial game after crucial game now between now and the end of the season but you know, if you can pick up the odd minutes, that'd be great to see him back in the fold and just prepare him maybe to to have a bigger role next season because he's been he's been a real miss. Like I think people forget how good he is. Like the, the idea that yeah. basically just lost him for the season and Thiago. Uh, you know how good is the midfield options? It's kind of ridiculous, really. So. Um, yeah, re- really excited to see him back. But, you know, th- there is a chance we see him before the end of the season and, and hopefully he can pick up some significant minutes because I'm, yeah, really excited to see him back. Yeah, absolutely. We have missed him. How valuable he would be right now is insane. And this question, I'd, and I pulled this one because I think it was well phrased. I've no doubt you've seen all the things around the, the medical team and people jumping on that. I like the way this was, was phrased overall in terms of, it wasn't the medical team that injured Jones and Jota. It was impact injuries, wasn't it? So I thought that was well phrased. However, is there an element that when Trent and Zabozlai get the same reoccurring injury within two games, it, there's an understandable element of questioning? Would you say that's fair? 
Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I, I do think it doesn't look good, does it? And that, that I, I, you know, I, I, I would push back on a lot of this criticism a lot of the time, but I do think you know you've got two there who've had recurrences. That is not fantastic. Um, you you don't like to see that happening, um, and, and it's kind of rare that it does. But the fact that it's happened to two players there in a moment where Liverpool have been really kind of desperate to get players back is it's not a good look. And I thought. I thought it was kind of silly from Klopp, really, actually, to because no one even asked him about it in the press conference. He actually was asked just about the the injury situation, and he yeah. he, he gave that up himself, talking about the medical department. And I thought, look, you know, the, the manager there, I, I thought it was a bad move because you're adding credence to it, you're throwing fuel on the fire because then everybody, including me, will run the headline. Klopp hits back at criticism of medical department then anybody who didn't know it was a thing on social media now knows it's a thing you know the people who aren't on twitter or, or, or facebook and haven't seen this so um i thought it was it was silly for him to get involved with that because ultimately it, it, it is going to give credence to it now people are going to think well maybe actually yeah maybe maybe that's that that was a bad move but I, but I, but i agree kind of with what he's saying in terms of he, he can just be unlucky at times as well that is possible yeah you know, they always do try and balance things. And I've spoke to people who've worked in the medical department at Liverpool under Jurgen Klopp and would totally support the idea that he would never force anyone back. You know, the, I know that the, there's articles written in the past about disagreements at times, and uh, but, yeah. but that's that's very normal when you're in those sorts of environments. And th- those kinds of things only get talked about when when results aren't very good or you get situations. Right this so it's not like Klopp's a sort of you know we know one of his biggest strengths in fact as a manager is that he's very keen to listen to other the expertise of others uh, you know and he's very sort of collaborative in the way he works so he's not kind of that sort of manager who's like right we're getting back in the team we'll see what happens and then oh this has gone wrong um, you know so there's a, it's a balance really and sort of you know they probably do feel like if if they could have done things differently around those ones, they would have. But also, they probably would say that all the evidence supported that there was no chance of a recurrence at the time he came back. And sometimes you get unlucky with injuries. So, um, yeah, it, as ever, the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. But I, I didn't think Klopp should have got involved in it. And I, I think he was silly to sort of volunteer that information, to be honest. Yeah, because stories then just write themselves again in a different element, don't they? And I always think we'll never know because we'll never fully know what happens discussed. So when people jump the blame and yeah, as, as it was well phrased his question. So a shout out to the, to the person who gave that Jotter and Jones, that was on the pitch. That's something to do with the medical team, is it as well? But yeah, we'll see how bad they are. And and again, another one I, I pulled. So maybe this is a hint to everyone. If you think of an educated question, you're quite likely to get them read out or asked to David. So really well phrased for this, mate talked about in the question when do you start to get a bit worried if there's no sporting director news but and I kind of admitted this for you but I like the way it was phrased because it, it mentioned that we don't want it publicly like United with Ashworth, Wilcox and all these stories that are now a, a story that's not really relevant to the club and us I get we do it privately which I like was mentioned but when do we start to get a bit nervous if there are no murmurs at all? Yeah, I think over the sort of next month or so. I mean, I've spoken before about the idea that, you know, the, the work to sort of sign players and, and really get into their agents and stuff happens, you know, a couple of months before the transfer window opens. So March is time going into April. That's when you really get the work done. So, and also really, you know, even before that, really, you're striking up relationships with agents and trying to see what the summer looks like for players that you really like. I just think the sooner it gets done, the better. So I, I'm kind of a little, a little bit worried about that, but but I, I would sort of temper that as well with, 
Liverpool do do the business privately. I mean, everything that Manchester United are doing at the moment is out there publicly. They're really making yeah. a big fuss of how, how, what a great job they're doing and how great these appointments are going to be. Um, you know, Liverpool don't operate like that. They're not off- offering briefs on these sorts of things. So it could and probably will come completely out of the blue. Um, so, I, I, you know, I'm not massively concerned in that sense. I, I, I do know that work's going on behind the scenes to, to get that appointment made, but... I'd like it to be done as soon as possible. There's no doubt about that because that allows you then to to start the finalising of, okay, who's the next manager? Who are the players we want to uh, show up in, in every position if he comes in and decides he needs to strengthen in certain areas? So the, so- the sooner the better, really. And I, I would really like to see something get get sealed as as soon as possible, really. Um, it's, you know, it's such an important appointment. I want to get it right. But you know, the, the quicker the better, really. And I think it's, I think it's fair to to hold concerns about that and hope it's done soon because it is, it's so, it's so crucial. It's as you know, not not maybe as important as the manager role, but it's 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 right up there in terms of Liverpool's next steps in a in a post Jurgen Klopp world. You know, they've got to get this right and get it done as as soon as they can. Yeah, and the the only real name I've seen, which he also kind of gave me a, a come and get me plea, it felt to Sky Sports Germany, Tim Stein, and that felt as much as a, a come and get me as you you know you will get. Yeah, I, w- I would say on Tim Stein actually that yeah, I, I know they spoke to him sort of early last year, in sort of April March time, um, and he was kind of put off by the idea of how the job was structured at that time. But I think. He obviously would be more open to it now. It's going to be a very different role, but it, but that doesn't necessarily mean because they had that conversation that they're going to go back to him. And I, I think that was kind of interesting that he did tell Sky Germany, look, I, I, I'm keen on this. I, or, or if he left the door open, didn't he very much? Mm. Um, that suggests to me that, that you know Liverpool aren't absolutely knocking his door down to get him in. So I'd be wary of thinking it's definitely going to be him. I mean, maybe maybe I'll be absolutely surprised on that one, but I, I you know I think it'd be an easy one to approach if they wanted it, and I, 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 it, it doesn't seem like that's the route that they're going down at the moment. Yeah, it, it would seem an obvious, especially with. West Ham's issues off the field at the moment. But yeah, well, we'll have to see. Hopefully we do get some on that. And the final thing I, I wanted to ask you was actually about a man who forced me to dye my hair blonde, buy no strips to play football, but most people will know him as God. So my first question is, can I have Robbie Fowler's phone number? But as I know you're not going to give me that, the article, I mean, that is some exclusive that to, to get Robbie's insight. I mean, if you haven't read it, people, it's that this is Anfield, it's sensational. And it almost leaves you a bit, and I'm guessing it might be the same for you, head scratching how Robbie Fowler is not getting even just interviews being asked about, even if it's lower down the league scale because of his history. I mean, overall feeling for you now you've done that exclusive, are you still a bit sort of head scratched by it? Yeah, genuinely, I kind of... When, when I said, you know, when I got in touch with Robbie and said about maybe doing an interview about what happens next, because obviously everyone knows about what happened in Saudi Arabia, yeah. the game, six wins, two draws, and then he gets sacked out of nowhere. I kind of thought, you know, I want to talk about the, the fact that that was kind of unjust, but also I was like, well, let, let, let me have a look back into his, his managerial career and see how he's done. And, and I just had this sort of sense that, okay, he's been here, there and everywhere hasn't been there very long in some cases. He, he can't have done a very good job then. And then you look into it and it's like every single club he's been at, huge overhaul of players, massively yeah. improved them, done it in a way where he's been playing a good style of football as well. 
um, and shown faith in, in young players. So literally, you know, if you're looking for boxes to tick as a, as a club owner, looking for a manager to a point, he would tick so many of them. And also he's shown that he's not scared to go abroad, you know, for his opportunities. He's not one of those insular managers who won't, won't take a risk and do that. So I was kind of just amazed really when I looked through his record and how well he'd done. And like I say, consistently improved teams. Um, so for me, he's, he's hugely underrated. And I think we, you know, kind of touch on that in the interview. I mean, Robbie would never say that himself. He's, he's too humble to do that. But, you know, I, I make the point strongly in the piece that, you know, he's, he's a better manager than I think, you know, if, I'd, I'd urge everyone to read it, but it, it, he's a better manager than I think most people know. Um, and yeah. so, you know, kind of excited and interested to see what his next opportunity is and where that is. But he, but he absolutely deserves a chance. And, and uh, you know, he's a, he's a great guy, Liverpool legend. And, and I, I really do sort of wish him all the best in that because, but it's not just on that basis. It's that, you know, you look at his career and he, he deserves a yeah. chance. And I, I do hope he gets that nod very soon. I just always expected he'd end up at, even after the Saudi thing, like a, a Wigan, a Blackpool, clubs that have had traditional Liverpool connections. And yeah, God, chairman, if you're listening, if Robbie Fowler can't improve your forward line, then I'd give it up, to be <laughs> honest, in, all, you know, in that regard. But yeah, if you've not, not seen it, people... Definitely have a read. It is a sensational piece. And listen, any exclusive with Robbie Fowler and that insight is going to be, isn't it? So all it leaves me to say is ahead of another massive week. David, thanks for your time and your insight. And obviously next Monday is either going to be a super high or a massive downer, really, isn't it? There ain't no in between for this one. Yeah, kind of mad that they could have a trophy on board by the, by the next time we speak. So that's exciting. So hopefully, yeah, two wins, a great week. And we'll have so much, you know, so many positives to talk about. Hopefully some players coming back from injury will be nice as well. Yeah, trophies, players back. We're both at Wembley doing different things. But ladies and gents, next time we're hoping that we talk, the Reds are still top of the league and there's another number going up on the trophy wall. So the final thing is ever... As I'm back in the hot seat, it leads me to say is that was another Media Matters for Anfield Index. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.